Today in Movie Oil, as we talk about On the Rocks, the 40-year-old version, Rebecca, and Rainy Day in New York. It's time for Movie Wallers. Hi, this is Joe. Hi, it's Rashmi. DSD as well. Movie Wallers is your weekly dose of film reviews, movie news, and general banter in theatres, on DVD, online streaming, or in the back of an airplane. If you love the movies, this show is for you. Greetings, Yasti. Hello. We meet again. We are. We're socially distanced again. Boo. Boo. But that's our fault. Well, it. Well. Well, why is it our fault? There's a pandemic. Well, I mean, we could have been careful and not gone to the movies and then been conscious of giving Yazdi COVID from the cinema. (laughs) So you went right there. I went right there. No, but you should be more worried about yourself. Are you worried about me? Because we love you. We would hate well, to no, give no. you something. Let's 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 talk about now. Now now this is out there. Now this is out on the table. So we could all we could all be infected at the same time. <laughs> share share and share alike. Yeah, no, that, that's not even funny with COVID. I know. So um, no, it's not funny. Just for the record, it's not funny. So. I know. But um, you know, I love me a good slumber. So we need to give people context. Okay, sorry. Well, now you said slumber. That means nothing to anybody. Oh, okay. So well, <laughs> I love the idea of slumber parties, although. Because even though, like, you're an adult. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it's not anything kinky. I just like the idea of, like, everyone being in pyjamas and not having to rush off. Sleepovers like, I and hate, cocoa. I hate things ending, right? So if we're having a good evening, I'm like, oh, why didn't you bring your pyjamas? And then we could carry on the party. But in reality, I mean, I'm the first one to fall asleep. But I just love the idea of the fun never ending. I think it's from my and youth. And you didn't get a lot of that as a youth, did you? No, I had a lot of it as my, in my youth. I got hence. the sense that your parents were like, no, you can't stay No, but at we your always had house. lots of cousins and family over. And so, you know, I, I remember it fondly with, you know, sleeping on mattresses and, um, you know, just yeah. being able to watch movies all night and eat food that you shouldn't. And wake up the next morning and have parathas for Correct. breakfast. That's it. That's exactly it. <laughs> I well, look, the, the, the talk about COVID was because Rashmi and I just got back from the theatre. We went to see Rainy Day in New York and... The new Woody Allen. The new Woody Allen movie. Um, and we went to the Landmark Theatre here in San Diego, which is kind of our local, smaller, non-kind of blockbuster movie uh, place that we love. It's We are very fond of Landmark Theatres. Um, yeah. And... Uh, yeah, this is the first time we have gone this kind of post-pandemic. And it was empty. And I was heartbroken, actually. Yeah. Uh, Rashmi, you asked that at the box office when we got there how many yeah. seats had sold. And I think they'd sold like five. Five. We were number six and number seven. I counted all of three people in that theatre in yeah. addition to us. So, um, Which is great because it's very socially distanced and it's a big Mm -hmm. space and it's just been redone. And um, Well, what they're trying to do, so we should talk about the setup. So every other row is taped off and they encourage you to stay socially distanced from folks and where you can leave. And this is very easily done given there were like five people in the theater. Yeah. Leave multiple seats between you if you are on the same row as somebody else. So... You know, but it was it was actually heartbreaking. All their concessions were half off. So, you know, I bought a candy bar for like two bucks in a movie theater. Like I was trying to just throw money at them because I was oh, like, wow. please, like, take my money because I need for you to be here when we're all vaccinated yeah. and COVID is, you know, it's, you know, so it's kind of sad. But anyway, um, I mean, it reminds me of how much I miss theaters. So, um, you know. I pray for a time when we can all head back. And and we were both saying how, you know, and I booked the tickets this morning and I found out on, you know, I was excited that the new Woody Allen was coming out and um, we can talk about the controversies of Woody Allen, but it was only playing at this one cinema. And I booked the tickets this morning and we were both really excited just to be going back to the movie. So 
you know, I think when, when we were that excited, it makes us remember how much we loved going to the movies. So it just was so nice. But it's empty. It's heartbreakingly empty. So It was an event, though. Yeah, it was. It was and great. I forget how much I enjoy that yeah. experience. Yeah. I think the true test will be once the pandemic is behind us, if it makes people come back in droves or if it's going to have a negative impact where we'll never be able to make up, you know, the previous heights. But we'll have to see. And it may just be a progression. You know, it may just be a... Mm-hmm. A slow, a slow journey back, but I hope cinemas are still around when this is all over because, you know, it is it is wonderful to be truly immersed with great sound. And Joe, you're always the one who says, you know, I love being immersed in the movie, and it it did make me realize how an enjoy how enjoyable an experience it is to be, you know, there with good sound and comfortable seating and the screen bigger than your, you know, your well, wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was a Woody Allen movie, so, you know, it wasn't the latest kind of Marvel bombast, you know, explosions, need for 7.1 surround sound and Dolby Vision. You know, none of that was necessary for this movie, but it was still, for me, in terms of an experience, just a much better way of watching a movie than than I can achieve at home. And I've, I've said that, and I will continue to say that. Um, and, you know, until we can build ourselves a dedicated you know 50 foot tall screen home cinema um then there then any other way of watching a film is is a poor quality experience so um too bad all right so um i guess we've got a lot to talk about movie wise so even though there is a pandemic uh, we've been kind of busy watching movies which is a wonderful um thing to to say uh, a lot of the stuff that we're talking about today is available on streaming services. Or just about to release. Or just about to release. Well, mm-hmm. hopefully released um, circa the time that you hear this podcast. So um, yeah. we're looking at things from Apple TV+. Plus. We're looking at things from Netflix. We're looking at things, uh, anything from Amazon here? No, no, Am- no Amazon this week, but still lots of, lots of great things to talk about. So... I guess without further ado, shall we jump into our first movie of the week? Yes. Which is On the Rock. Yep. And I have the intro for this. So, um, a young mother reconnects with her larger-than-life playboy father on an adventure through New York. I think that's as much as I want to say about this movie. It's written and directed by the um, very talented Sofia Coppola, and it stars Bill Murray, Rashida Jones, Marlon Waynes, Jenny Slate, Jessica Henwick, and many others. Um, and this is a release on Apple TV uh, on October the 19th. And um, Yazdi, why don't you tell us what you thought of this movie? Um, so Sofia Coppola has had an unusual career in that, you know, she kind of burst onto, this, onto the movie scene. I mean, she obviously ha- comes from movie-making royalty being the daughter of Francis Ford Coppola, but she kind of burst onto the independent movie scene with Lost in Translation. And that was a movie which was much um, loved and liked and admired. And, you know, it kind of contributed to the uh, cementing of Bill Murray's mythic status. Um, And I think ever since Lost in Translation, Sofia Coppola has been a little bit lost um, in terms of not I mean, she's been pretty pretty good with making movies, um, but in terms of connecting with audiences with the same level of, uh, you know, criti- uh, critical as well as public reception. Um, and she has started to, I think, you know, she used to for a while make films um, which were very cerebral and very, you know, it's all it's it's all visual and so forth. But I think of late. And it started in 2017. She made the movie The Beguiled with uh, Nicole Kidman and Kirsten yeah. Dunst. And, uh, I love that movie. And that was the one with Colin, Colin Farrell. Farrell. Yeah, that yeah. was Farrell, amazing. Yeah. Um, and I think I think the, I like this new Sofia Coppola. Sorry for the long introduction, but I think On the Rocks, you know, after uh, The Beguiled, On the Rocks is perhaps her most straightforward film. The Beguiled obviously was a remake of a previous movie, but this movie 
kind of stays on the straight and narrow. It has a plot. It kind of goes about that plot. It finishes up. There is no, um, you know, there is no screening of the neck to look at what's on the sides. And I, you know, I, I like both kinds of Sofia Coppola, but I, I think this movie um, is probably one of her most accessible films. And I, there's a lot of things I liked about it, but uh, and we can talk more about it. But I like the fact that it's, it's kind of a souffle. It's kind of a light, frothy delightful charm of a movie but when you think about it it has a lot to say as well and any kind of movie which brings back bill murray in fine fighting form is a welcome to me so sophia coppola is a director really you know since lost in translation a movie that is near and dear to my heart i mean it it was it was acclaimed um critically by so many but in terms of my desert island movies this is probably up there on the list of possibly my most beloved movies of all time so as a director she resonates with me and and even when she misses i think you know there's a movie called the bling ring with emma watson and some which others only which only joe ever loved which i think yes. i know yeah i know i i i know that that university was that movie was universally panned um and i still liked what it had to say and what it was trying to do so um mm -hmm. all the way of saying i really enjoy being in the presence of a sophia coppola movie and that's no this movie is no exception so um yeah very much liked this movie uh performances uh by bill murray who felt a little overplayed not quite as believable as the lost in translation character um but nonetheless a very very um enjoyable movie and we'll talk a bit more about that so rashmi what do you think yeah so um Recently, Joe and I watched uh, the documentary Quincy, uh, which was actually made by Rashida Jones. And I think that that was really a love letter to her father. And so I was really excited when I found out about this movie because it's a father-daughter movie and I was extremely close to my father. So I'm a sucker for, for these type of movies. Um, I think this is a sweet caper made all the better by the uh, chemistry between Rashida Jones and Bill Murray. It's a very believable um, chemistry. Um, it's cute, and I think, although not genius in the way that it tells the story, um, it's still enjoyable and entertaining, and I wouldn't um, say to anyone, don't watch this. It's just a sweet... I think sweetness is what I got from it, even though it kind of takes some risks and it overplays some parts and there's some contentions. But overall, you're just left with a smile on your face and it's just it's just cute and it's not overly emotional and playing to that soppy relationship in a sense, which I was really worried about because I didn't want to sob my eyes out for like two hours. So I think it's a great movie. Yeah, I mean, I think there's many things I appreciated about the movie. One is that the script of the movie, it, it's written and directed by Sofia Coppola. So it's an original piece of um, film writing. And exactly like you said, it never kind of succumbs to kind of, you know, dawdling in the emotions or kind of trying to get too sappy or, you know. So I, I like this kind of unsentimental look. The other thing that I like, I think, is that I think especially after the bling ring, Sofia Coppola got a lot of flack for, you know, kind of parodying the world that she belongs to, you know, because she was making fun of the super rich and the super celebrated. Yeah, and yeah. there was a lot of, and she's one of them. you know, yeah. some flashback that you are one of them. Why are you making fun of these people? And I think she has kind of claimed that. And in this movie, you won't find any poverty you won't find anybody on the streets this movie is gorgeous as hell i mean i want to live that life i want to live in the home she lives in i want to work in the office she works I at know. i want to be i know the places where they eat so i i really like that sofia coppola is saying okay fine this is how i live and i'm going to tell my story and within... damn you all <laughs> yeah Right. A damn will, you know, I live a privileged life and I'm going to tell a story within the context of that privileged life. And even then, it's it's really sweet. There is there is a lot of humor in the movie as well, because um, there's this whole the main 
maybe it's a giveaway, but maybe not. What drives the whole story is a, it's almost like a detective story that, you know, father and daughter are trying to figure out what's going on. And there is, it allows, it allows her to be sly with the writing. It allows her to be sly with how everybody else in her family is behaving. And, you know, there's a lot of scenes where you'd be like, well, if you were in this situation and you were given this information, how would you react? Would you be suspicious? Or you'd be like, yeah, such is life. So I liked all of it. It was very engaging. Yeah, I watched the whole thing with a smile on my face. I was scared that towards the end it may get too cloying, but it never got cloying. And I think that's to its strength. All all of what you said, Yassi, I mean, I think the strength of the performances um, for me overcame some of the problems I had with the writing. And I think in terms of how the movie is written, it's finale so to speak didn't quite pull off what it wanted to but I nonetheless felt uh, felt very um, connected with the characters just because of um, and I'm going to give Rashida Jones all the props here Um, she she was so endearing and believable and um, just like I say she, she, she she seemed to carry it for me much more than the Bill Murray character which here felt a little bit um, almost like the the drunk uncle of the character that was played in Lost in Translation. I mean, there's similarities mm. between the characters, but he he's like the the fun Bobby version of the <laughs> of the Bill Murray we see there, and he is over the top and he is outrageous. And he, you know, he that the whole scene where where they take after the mm-hmm. their target so to speak in a convertible sports car with that pops and bangs and skids through new york um would not have been believable if not for the two of them as actors that just carried off that with a with a wonderful confidence but jones got the props for me Absolutely, I agree with you. And I think my only contention is that in some parts it's underwritten in terms of story. It's great in terms of the character and who they are, but underwritten a little bit in the story and it kind of is somewhat predictable. But you know what? I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be nasty to it. There is caper element elements to the movie. And then there is definitely an homage to New York City. I mean, I saw a lot of Woody Allen-ish, like early Woody Allen. Allen. exactly. It's it's about neurotic characters, you know, going around New York City and doing crazy things. And and, and the fun is all in the dialogue. And I think, uh, you know, I'm surprised, frankly, that Bill Murray took this role because that role is a bit of a... It's an archetype, you know. It's 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 the fun Bobby version of you know her dad. And in lesser hands, this can come off looking so showboating and show so um, artificial. It, even as he plays it, occasionally it does seem a little artificial. It's hard to believe somebody like can actually be like that. But I think because Bill Murray is so wry and he has the perfect line deliveries. Um, he pulls it off. He almost does, even in those huge outlandish, almost slapsticky fare, like th- that scene that you mentioned where they take off in the convertible after their target. The whole thing is played almost like a Tintin comic book. You know, it's like that level of, you know, humor. And it it, it works. It works. I, I was smiling even as I understood what they were trying to do and not getting there maybe 100%. But they got their 90%. So that sounds like a summing up, Yazdi. Give us a score. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a perfect movie for these times when we are troubled and politicized and separated and angry and anxious. I think this is a salve of a movie. It's sweet. It's like I said, it's like it's so light on its feet. Um, it's a souffle. I love how it shows multi-ethnic, multi-generational people living in New York. Uh, there is absolutely nobody that I would not recommend this movie to, like you said, Rashmi. This is for everyone I wouldn't mind, you know, more movies that uh, Sofia Coppola makes like this. It's just a, a warm baked cookie out of the oven. Uh, you can't resist it. Uh, eight out of ten, which wow. is a little, um, which is generous. A little generous but it, I just, yeah, I just had a really, I really had a lovely smile on my face the whole time, and it, I was like, it's going to fall, it's going to tip over any minute now. It's going to tip over. It's going to implode. Yeah, Joe. Yeah. Yeah, I, I forgave it its trespasses, so to speak. I think it made a few little 
odd odd choices and I, I felt like a, just a little more time in the writing room would have really sharpened this to to something special and memorable instead what we get is something special and enjoyable but kind of more disposable and it's on the perfect platform this is a movie that if you have apple tv um, plus which is you know free to most people that have bought an iDevice in the past year um, or five bucks a month you get to watch this for free and uh, it's it's perfect for that. Just put it on, enjoy it, and you know don't don't look back. So for me, uh, another eight out of ten. Wow, you guys are generous. So this one didn't quite melt my heart. Um, it didn't quite get under my skin how I was hoping it would. Um, but again, that's probably my fault, not the film's fault. Uh, I was gonna go with a six and a half, but I'll, as Yazdi always says, I'll knock that up to a seven. Um, so a seven out of ten for me. It's, it's somewhere squarely yeah, I, in that kind of six and a half to seven range for me. Not, I think six is too miserly. Um, seven seems about right. Eight. Wow. Yeah. It was fun. Gosh. Yeah, it's, just, it's fun. And a shout out to, you know, Rashida Jones, we already talked about. She's she's lovelier. Uh, and she's been around for so long in movies. And I'm and glad she that she gets, so like, she doesn't get starring roles. Yeah, she yeah, works Joe so and hard. I was saying and Marlon... Yeah, she's been working so incredibly hard. Yeah. And Marlon Wayans is, is kind of funnier. Um, Jenny Slate is in a one joke movie through the, I mean, one joke situation through the entire movie. And, and it works. Brilliant. You know, she's That's good. It. No, so, I, yeah. I smiled at every scene. I mean, she reminds me a little bit of somebody that I worked with in the past year. So <laughs> her name me will too. remain anonymous, but... Uh, I think Rashmi knows who I'm talking about from LA. So um, anyhow, <laughs> moving on. Uh, the next movie is the 40-year-old version. So <clears throat> this is um, the a movie that's just been released on Netflix. So uh, I'll give you the, uh, the very brief kind of summary that's here on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, which is a struggling New York playwright finds inspiration by reinventing herself as a rapper. Um, the movie is uh, directed and written by Radha Blank, uh, who, uh, and I believe this is her directorial debut here, so um, this is kind of a, a, a brave and bold project for her to take on because she writes, directs, and stars in it. Um, it's coming out uh, soon, if not already, on Netflix, so... Um, Guys, what did you think of the 40-year-old version? So I knew nothing about this movie until Yazdi uh, reminded Joe and I, you have to watch this. And Yazdi, thank you for letting us know because um, this may be one of the best movies I've seen this year. I loved this movie for so many reasons. So I have to start by saying it's in black and white, which shocked me, but it's not pretentious. Um, it's this beautiful, oh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's a beautiful love letter Dream. of sorts. Yeah, mm. f to, f to life, right? A reality, it's kind of like I'm here and I'm 40 and, and this is how life is. And it's got so much to say about so many things. And rather Black is blank, black, blank, rather blank is incredible i just i i can save my my love for it but i i love this movie i love 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 this movie it's so good go watch it yeah uh, i think a star is born uh she i i can't wait to see what she does next and um so much of this movie is autobiographical it, it cannot not be autobiographical and like you said, I mean, I can talk about this movie for a long time. The movie was uh, released in, at Sundance, or, or shown first at Sundance, where it won the uh, the directing award. Um, and since then, it's been kind of getting a lot of buzz about it. And I think it's the kind of, you know, people complain a lot about how difficult cinema is, and it's difficult to get funding, and independent movies don't show up. They don't get the right distribution. And within that context, this person, Radha Blank, has taken her own life and kind of made this coming of age story. And it's weird to use the frame phrase coming of age in the context of a 40 year old character, but it is, she is kind of 
almost spiritually and as a person coming of age during during the course of this movie and she's learning about herself and she just it seems like the kind of movie somebody made by calling their friends together and i don't mean to say that in a negative way at all but it has a feeling of 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 a purity of vision which comes from not depending financially on anyone and also coming from the brain of a single person. And we don't see such movies very often. It also lives in this dreamy Brooklyn Bronx world that we kind of saw in some of the early Spike Lee movies. We see a lot of it in um, uh, in Woody Allen movies as well. But but what I really liked about this movie is that it's it's unexpected at every step. I, I never knew where this movie was headed. It genuinely made me laugh. And it kind of celebrates otherness. She is an other in every sense, you know, within her own life. She's other because of her age. She's other because of her size. She's other because of you know, what she wants to do at that time in his life, in her life. And the whole movie is kind of a, a big poem to, you know, you be you and, and do what you need to. So what if you're 40 years old and you want to be a rapper, you know, do it. And it doesn't do it by laughing at it. It has a lot of heart and pain. Um, yeah, I, I love this movie too. It, the only thing is it, it'll take about, I, I, I recommend people take about 10 or 15 minutes to stick with it because it's so, unusual in its in its format and style initially that it may throw people off but i think once you're 10 minutes into it you can hear the voice in the movie loud and clear coming through at you yeah Joe? Uh, just to add to echo what you say about sticking with it i think the movie takes a little bit of time to kind of find its feet and i think um it's one of those um potential potentially disastrous missteps in the sense of i think people will start this movie and not give it that chance because i think once you get beyond that once it kind of finds its rhythm and 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 you understand what it is that it is trying to do and say and be then and and you know then you kind of become more interested but it took a it took a little time to warm to up to um yeah no this is a, a remarkable piece of work here um to to say that it's um set in the same city that we was in the the, the last movie we just spoke about the, the same new and York, one of the other movies we're um, going to talk about is is mind-blowing to me because the these feel like they're in different you know universes never mind uh cities so um you know both very very quintessentially new york in their field but boy yeah what a what a contrast um I think the movie's got a lot to say about a lot of things, not just her, but, you know, um, has a lot to say about art and and race. And it does so in a very clever way because I think a lot of these things that um, it, it touches upon are things that are very hard to articulate. Um, you know, we and, and the movie does a really clever thing by having a play within the movie that speaks <laughs> yeah. brilliantly to the type of um, movie that we often see about, you know, poor black neighborhoods or, you know, gentrification, gentrification or, you know, white guilt or whatever it is. Um, but anyway, it, it, it's just, it's really clever, very, very subversive, left me with a lot to think about. Um, and the standout performance by, by Rada Blanc herself here, um, most impressed. I was most impressed when she was on the stage rapping. Yeah. Um, like those those lyrics those everything was perfect so yeah very great movie so, so here's the thing it it is very meta and it lulls you into this false sense of security that it's gonna be like another spike lee movie and it isn't like a spike lee movie in fact it's not like anything else i've seen and of course it borrows elements, but it's very unique. And I love the unique voice that she brings. I think it's about growing up. It feels um, like it's got this lovely cadence to the dialogue. And of course there's a lot of rap music, which I love, um, but it's got this beautiful cadence that I just mm -hmm. don't talk about cadence generally, but the way the dialogue is done, it feels very genuine. It feels very authentic. Um, it 
reminds me most or feels quite similar to an episode of Master of None, the Aziz Ansari um, series. Mm. Um, it feels similar in tone or touch and feel. Um, and I think the direction, it's got really good direction. I don't normally notice those things. So I like that it uses this different mechanism of having a little square when it's talking about something. There's very judicious use of color. And when the color comes, it's very appropriate. Um, and in a way, it kind of also reminded me as the a little bit of a funny version of Gully Boy. It's got that yeah. same sort of like what people have to struggle with um, and, and where it takes them. And it's about a journey and it was just, it's so, it's a really stunning movie. It blew me away. It's just so unusual. Yeah, it's brilliant in all the parts which include rapping, but in a way the rap, the rap portion is almost tangential. It could have been anything else. Right. It could have been ballet. Right? Like she wanted to be a it ballet been, dancer. She right, wanted a, to like be a, a decorator. Right. Anything. Yeah, I agree. Um, but but I think, uh, you know, because I think in, in many ways there have been so many movies about rap. I mean, Gully Boy was one we saw last year. Yeah. And that was a more mainstream, you know, traditional film coming out of India about yeah. a boy from the slums Which who wants to be a rapper. Which is, again, a great movie. Great movie. And then there was this one other movie about, what's her name, McDonald, this this uh, teenager who is big and she wants to be a rapper. The one you and I saw, Yazdi, bad, yeah. bad something, bad. That was bad yeah. rap. But bad that, rap. No, that was um, with Aquafina. No, there was another that was, one that Yazdi and I but saw. Anyway, yeah. So, so there have been so many movies about people who want to be rappers and so I think to for a movie to take that on as the plot point, you have to be really good to kind of rise above the cliche of your typical person trying to be a rapper. And, you know, she's so good a rap writer, you know, that from the, the first time you hear her rapping, there is no doubt it's not played for laughs, it's not played for, you know caricature you you know right away this is a person you know who is good at this and you know it's it's like i said it's a coming of age coming coming of age story for somebody who is 40 and we never see that and she's african american and you know she has so many issues it, it's so singularly about this one life and yet after when you think about it, it's kind of universal. And like you said, Rashmi, I love the little touches in the movie. There is a Greek chorus of three characters who kind of pop up all the time in past, past commentaries. Every once in a while when she's saying something, you see a still, you know, a little square still, which kind of punctuates what is being said by visualizing it. So there, there are these really nice little touches. And... Um, the movie stays bone dry in terms of its, you know, it, it never fetishizes the main character or make her seem lovable or make her seem, not that she's not lovable, but make her seem overly, you know, Disney-fied or any such thing. I mean, all, all those interactions seem very authentic as as unusual as they are. Yeah, I think that's really what makes it work here is you, you have somebody who is is flawed and yet you still... You still root for her. You still um, and you still want her to succeed despite the fantasy that is being played out in front of you. Um, and the movie does that very nice job of you know it, it's we all have an inner creative right that's bursting out, and yet we go and work you know oftentimes in jobs that don't necessarily feed that part of the soul. And, and so, you know, it, it's it's really nice to see that, exp you know, it's a midlife crisis, I guess, rather than the coming of age. But, mm -hmm. you know, um, what is a midlife crisis if not a midlife coming of age, right? A recognition of, <laughs> yeah. of perhaps what you, you think your life might or could be or could have been or is it, you know. So I, I love that it explores that, that journey. Um, a little too much self-deprecating humor in there. You know, I, I know that that was part of what the character was going through, but, um, you know, I, I kind of find that stuff a little bit tiresome. Um, 
but you know, it's just a personal kind of uh, opinion there, especially because the character then um, overcomes some of those insecurities. But nonetheless, um, just yeah, very very clever, very sharply written, very fun, and like you said at the beginning, Yasti, I had no clue. Like it, the, it, you can see the three act structure there in hindsight, but as you're mm-hmm. going through this movie, um, you really don't know um, how any of this is going to turn out for the character. And just when you get glimmers of hope, it beats you down. Just when you have moments of despair, it brings you up. And and so you know, it it's very good at at flipping those expectations around. And um, you know, anything that does that without seeming contrived um has to be applauded so yeah yeah and all what what i loved and yes the film that you and i watched about the large rapper was patty cakes yes patty cakes Thank yeah you. which was really good as well um Very every good as well. other peripheral character however long they're in the frame are so well formed and rounded and feel like they are so they have so much backstory, like the students that yeah. she che- teaches. I mean, each one of each those, one of each yeah. one of them is just steals each scene. She just, the direction is so good. And her best friend who's Korean and grappling with being Korean <laughs> and gay. And I mean, it's just, it's just lovely. I don't know what else. So, I mean, I can wrap this one up. Um, if there was a scale that went to 40, I would give it 40 out of 40. Um, I think it definitely deserves, a, and I think I'm being stingy, a 9 out of 10. Whoa. This really is one of my favorite wow. movies uh, this year. This year. Wow. Um, I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. And I think, I think there's like you said rashmi early on there's so much the movie saying about so many things about selling out about you know if you want your art to be seen by people what extent of compromise is valid and you know you you can be an absolute stickler and say i'm not going to compromise at all and then nobody's ever going to even five people aren't going to watch what what you've written and so it it, it speaks to that it speaks about race about gentrification it speaks about you know, self, ultimately it's, Value, it's about self-actualization. Self-worth yeah. and self-actualization. Yeah. So like I said at the outset, a star is born. I cannot wait to see how Hollywood treats Radha Blank. And regardless of how they treat her, I hope she continues to make movies because it's a great new voice. And all those people who complain that even the stuff on on streaming media is boring and the same stuff and so forth. Well, this one is not boring. It's not the same stuff. It's brand new um, material. Just give it 10, 15 minutes and you'll be in for a treat. Um, definitely watch the 40 year old, even, even the title of the movie, which is a riff on the 40 year old virgin, you know, the 48 old version that alone tells you how witty the whole thing is. I have to call you on your half point there. Yes. The, Oh, <laughs> um, eight. I'm going to back down to eight. Okay. Oh, it's, okay. it's really quite something. Yeah. It, <laughs> it, believe the hype. Believe the hype. And it's going to get an eight from me as well. I think this is. It, it's so. It's so satirical and clever. Like the things I like most about it, apart from obviously the the the, the performance here, is is just the way that it says the things that it has to say without being in your face. Like it it's so it never it's never a hammer. Correct. It doesn't well, hammer you what on it the does, head or preach. No, what it does is it gets a plate full of food for thought and just pushes it under your nose and then leaves it there. And whether or not you're going to chew on that is up to you. But, you know, should you choose to do that, you know, that there's plenty of it there for you. And I, and I think that's really hard to do. Um, so, you know, props to I hope this isn't kind of a, you know, the one hit wonder, the, you know, the, the script that was brewing for 40 years um, that had mm. everything that the author had to say about things. I hope that we get more. Um, of her wonderful insight out in the world. And I don't know anything about her as um, her work up to now. I mean, you know, this is obviously a writing directorial debut. I don't know of her as an actor or a writer or... She's apparently a playwright. 
Yeah, she's a playwright, and she she wrote um, a lot. You know, Spike Lee did uh, She's Gotta Have It, and then Netflix did a series version of that. So she was a writer on that, on uh, the TV series uh, She's Gotta Have It last yeah. year. Okay, I think she so wrote. She's not, she's written on things like Empire. Okay, so she's not a flash in the pan, which means that um, hopefully this will give her the exposure that she needs yeah. for us to see more of her work in future. Yeah, I'm going to correct myself. She produced 19 episodes. She wrote three of them. Okay. Yeah. No, I I, I didn't do my homework on on her background, but boy, what a what a what a powerhouse of a a creator there. Okay, moving on then. Movie number three of the week is Rebecca. So, uh, Yasdi, will you tell us about Rebecca? I will tell you about Rebecca. Is there a movie which is more revered and more loved and more considered a classic than the original 1940 movie made by Alfred Hitchcock called Rebecca. So this particular remake is a good 80 years old since the original movie was released. I I don't know if there is a precedent to that, but uh, the original Alfred Hitchcock movie was based on a very famous uh, Daphne du Maurier novel of the same name. And it starred Laurence Olivier and Joan Fontaine. And then most uh, remarkably, Judith Anderson as Mrs. Danvers. And essentially, the story is about uh, a young, sweet little thing who gets swept off her feet by a slightly older widower who is very wealthy. And um, he gets married to her and brings her to his estate. And once she comes to the estate, she realizes that his Previous, his first wife's shadow is everywhere. It's there on the monogram sheets, and it's there in the slavish way that the that the keeper of the estate kind of you know longs for uh, the first wife, uh, whose name essentially ha- uh, happened to be Rebecca. And it's essentially it's essentially about this this young second wife trying to figure out you know what's going on and where she sits uh, during all of this. I saw Rebecca when I was very young and I I remember that it filled me with a sense of dread. The movie eventually plays out as a whodunit and that to me is less satisfying than the first hour and a half which which really plays with your expectation of actually physically feeling a presence of someone even though they may long be dead and gone so it plays with a lot of those characters so it's so hallowed a property i'm surprised that they decided to in 2020 do a you know do a remake of it but um, ben wheatley the director um you know who has been kind of on a on a roll of late uh, he did free fire um, you know, in High Rise, two movies which which I which I love a lot in the last few years, and I think on High on Free Fire he worked with uh, um, Army Hammer, and he brings Army Hammer back here to this uh, 2000 remake, sorry 2020 remake of it, um, and it stars Lily James and Army Hammer in the title role, and then the Mrs. Denver, the housekeeper, um, you know, who may or may not have some secrets, is played by. Uh, the redoubtable Kirsten Scott Thomas. So I've I haven't had a chance to watch this movie yet. I'm curious to see how they did. You know, literally among the shadow of one of Hitchcock's most venerated films. So the both of you saw it. What did you guys think about Rebecca 2020? So my Hitchcock back catalogue is filled with many gaps, many important gaps, of which this is one. And so I have not seen the original movie. Um, And to some extent, you know, that can be advantageous when you're seeing, you know, a modern remake Mm -hmm. of anything, right? Especially something like this, which is filled with plot twists and revelations and so on and so forth. So I think uh, watching this kind of cold allowed me to go on its journey. And... um, it's interesting. As I look at the um, the movie information page on Rotten Tomatoes, the genre is mystery and thriller, drama and romance. Like... <laughs> Everything. Right, that that kind of <laughs> says it all for me. I think um, it's a little bit messy. It's a little bit um, jarring in the way that it introduces the movie and then becomes something completely different. And I don't know if that was the original Hitchcockian vision, but um, I was completely thrown by the movie that I started watching and the movie that I finished watching. But with that said, I mean, I feel like it missed a lot of very 
but very good opportunities to be something un- more unsettling and more unnerving. There's a mystery here. There's a there's a a plot to be unravelled. There are secrets and there are um, there are things here that could have been delivered with much more forceful, impactful punches. But that said, you know. I did like this movie. I mean, it, it made me smile. And I, I think, you know, part of it is the endless charm uh, of, of Army Hammer. I think he was, he, he really, I, I went, you know, I've, I went on his journey with him, even when he's, you know, being a bit mysterious. Uh, and Lily James is, is always a delight to watch. So I, I have to say, I kind of like this one, despite its many, many failings. I'm shocked. Okay, so so I think the description says it all, right? I think, you know how we often talk about movies being overcooked and too much there? Um, this one had the opposite problem because it almost felt a little underwritten or I def- don't know if it was um, badly edited um, because it didn't know if it wanted to be a horror, a psychological thr- thriller, a murder mystery, or indeed even a kind of rags-to-riches commentary on society. And um, it it just felt a little confused tonally and overall quite frustrating for me. Um, And I agree with Joe, the movie you start out watching, which has the amazing Anne Dowd, you know, as this um, wealthy woman who, um, you know, is, is kind of keeping ward of this enchanting Lily James. Well, she disappears from the rest of the movie. And so... Um, it's just, it's just strange. I mean, I agree with you. Um, I could watch Army Hammer, as Joe always says about, um, Danny Boyle. I could watch Army Hammer doing, you know, washing machine commercials, um, because he's always so charming and debonair and has such a presence. And Joe, you said it, why doesn't he just get his Oscar already? Like, I hope, like, can't we just give him his acting accolade so he can get on and, and kind of have the rest of his career in a sense? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I was a little disappointed with this movie. I was expecting so much more. And especially because I loved, um, the last Ben, Ben Wheatley movie, the fire, um, free fire, free Free fire Fire was so good. That was bonkers. So comical and so dark. And this just felt empty for me. Yeah, I must admit, I mean, when I say I enjoy this, this is one of those movies that um, it's it's hard actually to recommend because I think it, it's ham-fisted. And I think, you know, the, the fact that I hadn't seen the original left me with enough intrigue to kind of follow it through to want to know what it was all about. I think that if I had seen the original... I would have possibly been a little frustrated with how clunky some of its revelations are. And I think, you know, there are strange characters that pop in here that feel um, almost parody. Like, you know, there's there's a the there's, there's a house on a beach yeah. with a with a fisherman with a kind of accent, you know, saying strange um what should be you know riddle like um puzzling moments and yet you know i find myself kind of chuckling at at the the preposterousness of that uh kristen scott thomas bless her she worked her ass off trying to deliver the mrs danvers character um but i never bought it for a moment um so it felt like she was really you know grappling with what it was that they were trying to to have her be to us um but nonetheless again it was it was kind of a fascinating mystery and i think you know i I wanted to see i would love to see the original now yeah Um, i I, I would imagine it would be a a little more disturbing in in the same way you know like something like vertigo um is Mm -hmm. (laughs) um you know because i can imagine hitchcock having a lot more um just being a lot more adept at, at, at playing these moments of, of genuine, you know, it, this movie has a potential to be very disturbing. Yeah, and I often... I was never disturbed. Yeah, I, I wasn't frightened enough and I wasn't intrigued enough and I wasn't um, bewildered enough about what was going on. Um, I I think 
when we've been so treated by things like Downton Abbey, upstairs, downstairs, to do this as a period drama seems a bit of a waste. And I wonder if they'd made the decision to make it modern day, whether that could have mm. actually made it a bit better. Because it just seemed so cliche, you know, this big house and the West, you know, the West Wing and the East Wing and the staff and the housekeeper and the grounds and you know so i just feel like it was very cliche and it just felt really clunky however it's netflix yeah so no <laughs> but no, there, there right. is there is very little risk in giving this yeah a go and seeing if you want to kind of yeah go along with it right? and i have to say the first 25 minutes was very lovely you're in Monte Carlo and it's a budding romance and that's interesting. I like that. And then it just kind of falls apart a little bit. So I can wind this one up. Um, this is so average. Five out of ten. So average. <gasps> okay. And, well, yes, do you got something to say here? No, I haven't seen it, so I, I won't give it a rating. But uh, no, you know, bananas. It's no bananas from Yasdi. Three bananas. But what I was going to say is, again, I saw this movie, the original, when I was a teenager, and that movie was all about the atmosphere. I mean, I felt I felt a chill while I was watching the whole movie. I felt the presence of his first wife oh. constantly. And, and the Mrs. Danvers character. That wasn't just a teenage boy her, in you? Maybe. I don't know. But <laughs> no. But I think the Mrs. Danvers character is so slavishly loyal to her first um, to her first mistress, that there was almost it almost bordered on being, uh, being, uh, what's the word like unhealthy, you know that, that she had some kind of unhealthy Obsession. affection for this woman and almost felt sexual in a way, and there's so much playing and you know the movie that we saw the uh, Guillermo del Toro movie with Mia Crimson Peak is clearly a portions of it are an homage to the original, you know, yes, uh, Rebecca right. character. You so won't believe I it, but I, I looked that up just as we were talking about it because I was trying to think about, you know, the the house. What was the name of the house in this one? Um, oh, um, Malvern House, uh, whatever. <laughs> Mulbier or something. Mulberry House, whatever Mul it was. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's a shame they couldn't, yeah. Yeah. No, they they got. I mean, some directors some can conjure dread out of nowhere. Like Hitchcock could do it, Tarantino can do it, Shyamalan can do it in the best of his movies. But if you don't have a flair for that, this is going to fall flat. Sorry, Joe. Please go ahead and. and yeah. No. Uh, Again, I think the movie was just engaging enough for me to want to see it through to its conclusion. So, um, again, you know, given that the. The, the cost of admission is so low here. Like, start it. If you don't like it, switch it off. I don't know that it would ruin your evening if you follow it through to its conclusion. Um, and I'm going to give it an extraordinarily generous 7 out of 10. I think um, it... it and and, and it, it's one of those bad movies that I liked, right? It's one of those movies that doesn't quite a achieve what it sets out to achieve, but being in the presence of... Of its of its characters, it's it's gorgeously shot. Um, you know, it's it's very. No expense seems to have been spared in creating its world, and I think you know it does it does feel that way. And and perhaps you know, there the, there were shades of of um, you know Beauty and the Beast and some of the Disney stuff. Lily James there was in you know the Cinderella type character. So yeah, I I kind of enjoyed it, but yeah. Probably a six in, in normal circumstances. I'll give it a seven to be nice. Okay. Final movie then is A Rainy Day in New York, which um, Yasdi, uh, I think you can tell yes. us a little about. As of the three of us, you're the only one that didn't see it. Rashmi and I saw it today in the theater. Yes. So for what seems like the last 30, 40 years, maybe, maybe a little less, maybe a little more, um, Mr. Uh, Woody Allen has been making a movie every year and releasing it like clockwork. And in 2019, he made this particular movie, um, A Rainy Day in New York. And unfortunately, 
Um, Woody Allen got caught up in a lot of uh, old allegations about his, about his misbehavior and so forth. And so he kind of, and then he kind of became a poster boy for the whole Me Too movement in terms of, you know, the worst that uh, Hollywood might represent, etc. So uh, the movie never got a formal release last year. It was released in France and Europe, other countries in Europe and so forth. And I think... Um, Maybe things have cooled down or whatever, or they found a distributor. But uh, the movie finally from 2019 is getting released here in the United States. And um, the IMDb uh, one-liner description for it is, a young couple arrives in New York for a weekend where they're met with bad weather and a series of adventures. Um, As usual, uh, Mr. Woody Allen is able to get uh, quite an impressive cast. Uh, Timothy Chalamet is in it. Elle Fanning in it, is in it. Liev Schreiber. Uh, Selena Gomez is here. Jude Law is here. Uh, and Rebecca Hall, who I absolutely adore, is here as well. So And Diego Luna. So I'm quite amazed at, as I scroll down the, the cast here, it's uh, written, obviously, by um, uh, Woody Allen and uh, directed by him as well. So I know Rashmi, you're a big Woody Allen fan, and um, you just saw it, but a few hours ago. So what are your fresh, fresh reactions? So I was going to add the disclaimer that uh, I have no bi- I have bias because I am a Woody Allen fan, um, and so for me, this is a big event, uh, a new Woody Allen movie, and hence I dragged us to the cinema. Um, with our masks. Um, so look, this is very derivative of every other Woody Allen movie which has ever been made. That said, I love those movies. I can watch any Woody Allen movie any time of the day. Um, you know, most Woody Allen movies for me are like little fables or nuggets, little stories. They have the same themes again and again. It's always love. They're set in a beautiful city. There's a, there's a bunch of mishaps. And of course, a fascination with rain. So this captures all of that. Um, It's not as bitey or clever or dark as a blue jasmine or match point. But again, look, if you love Woody Allen, there is nothing in here not to like. Um, That being said, um, it's very disposable and it's a very efficient 90 minutes. um, And I really, really enjoyed it. Mm. so i'm not a woody allen uh completist or um i won't really say that i'm a big fan of his films he's very very hit or miss for me um i was gonna use the same words hit or miss for you yeah no and i tend to like and appreciate the dark side of woody allen so you know my my faves are the the match points and the blue jasmines um and less so the frothy yeah the frothy romance so um this one was a misfire for me in so many ways this it surprised me actually that this came from woody allen's pen to be honest because i think um the the movie is you know it it can be farcical at times but it can be almost unintentionally funny um and what talking about moments where you know uh somebody is caught in a house you know in an affair where the wife just happens to arrive home and you know catches them in the it's just it's it's very it just feels very clumsily written the biggest problem i had with the movie to be honest is what if what has he done with all this talent everyone is completely miscast timothy chalamet uh, to me is you know dark and brooding you know very intense young man he was you know line di- line and dialogue perfect in call me by your name um and many of the other kind of intense roles he plays here here he's playing that very frothy type woody allen woody male. allen he's playing woody allen the insecure well not not insecure but the the, the woody allen character the fro- and i didn't buy it for a second l fanning Again, uh, a, a remarkable young actress here is trying to do this kind of weird comedic, spaced out, clever but stupid. And so it just feels very filled with very stupid characters doing stupid things and stupid setups. And so... You sound like your mom. As 
enjoyable <laughs> as this might be in if it was funnier um it wasn't quite funny enough to carry off the silliness of it all so it just felt a bit messy again not not a bad way to spend 90 minutes but i'm i'm possibly being a little harsh because rashmi has been so positive i i just think that the movie <laughs> doesn't quite work and it's 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 a bit of a miscue yeah, and I don't disagree with you, Joe. Um, it's just I love Woody Allen, and so for me, anything he writes is going to be enjoyed um, because it has so much of his voice. And for me, I disagree with the fact that you think Ch Chalamet was not appropriately cast. I think my comment was going to be he must have spent hours watching Woody Allen performances because he captures that neurotic young man in that kinetic energy of New York so perfectly, almost some mannerisms as well from previous Woody Allen movies where he's been in them. And I, I think the problem for me is it's almost too short. Again, it feels a little underwritten. And if, if we had had a bit more time with each of these characters who give good performance, like leave Schreiber's in here and, you know, Jude Law is in here and they don't get to breathe. They're very, um, di they're very divisive performances that get us from point A to point B. Um, but that said, look, I love New York. I love New York in the rain and I love Woody Allen. And I, I think Chalamet and Fanning do the best they can with what they have. Um, I think Selena Gomez is really miscast in this movie. Um, although she's great to watch, I just didn't buy that whole storyline. But it's cute and it leaves a smile on your face. And again, I'll just say it's Woody Allen. It's, it's not one of his greats. It's probably, you know, lowering mediocre. But I love Woody Allen. W what can I say? So, so I can sum this yeah, one up if you, if you want. Or no, no, I've been reading. I've been reading uh, some of the um, you know reviews on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. And many of them are probably they, more rotten than fresh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they, you know, I think everybody says it's lower tier, Alan. It's yeah. not yeah. his highest tier work, which is what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you call out Selena Gomez. She was the only one I believed of the three young leads. She was the only one of them that I actually bought being who she was because her character seemed less um, produced. Well, just less of a caricature and more sure. of a real person than the other two. And sure. and that's a, that's a problem. I mean, again, Timothy Chalamet, Elle Fanning and Selena Gomez, they're, they're, they, they all read so young in this movie that it felt like they had, it felt like they were child actors in adult situations, kind of almost like a that's Bugsy a Malone. Yeah. Like, mm. I, I felt like they didn't quite have the... Um, the weathered being around the block. And it's, you know, they're, they're, they're age-appropriate characters in the sense of, you know, they're, they're at university age, you know, they're at that kind they're of They're supposed stage to be early life. 20s. But I didn't... Late, yeah. I, I didn't buy some of their, you know, they just felt like kids in New York and not mm. adults. And, and, you know, again, that was how they were written. But the the... the the situations I think required, you know, twenty-five and thirty-year-olds, not you know, twenty-one-year-olds. So, um, yeah, it, it just didn't work for me. Um, didn't hate it, just <laughs> not 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 one of not, not one of Alan's best in recent years. Yeah, I, I, again, I would happily watch, you know, Woody Allen doing, you know, pa uh, 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 painting the house scene. Um, so, so for me, look, I, I can sum this up. I, w I would take a rainy day in New York any day. Um, for me, this is easily so solid seven for me. Mm. Um, and I'm going to be, um, I'm going to give it a six. It's not, it's not painful to watch. It just feels very clumsy. And when it you compare very it, very manufactured. When you compare it to something, you know, like even one of the ones that is not well thought of like magic in the moonlight right disposable one with emma stone in yeah. it from a few years ago oh, so uh, good but a delightful movie right you know very believable took you on its journey uh, cafe society i found a little too um, i loved cafe society in in you know dry for, for my particular taste but um 
again, it felt accomplished in what it was trying to do. It was polished. It was, um, you know, well, well written, strong characters. Here, the characters just felt like an an assemblage of of Woody Allen characters, and yeah. So yeah, I mean, for him, he's already on to the next one, right? He's already as soon as he finishes. Yeah, here's the new he's movie. already Rifkin's the- Festival. It's already played. Rifkin's Festival played earlier in, I think, at one of the film festivals. Ah, okay. Con or something else. Set in Sebastian. Okay, so um, I guess that's it for the podcast, Yazdi. We will leave you to get on with the rest of your evening. So um, let us know what you think of these podcasts. Obviously, a lot of this content isn't out in theatres, but you know you can access them at home, and hopefully, we give you some suggestions and things to um, some some things to to kind of watch and follow along. So it it's going to be continue. It's going to continue to be an interesting fourth quarter of 2020 with with theatres. I think some of the major chains closing. We didn't really talk about that, but. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. there will be movies that continue to trickle out, and while we can cover them, we will. So, um, I guess until our next podcast, it's too many movies, too little time. A goodbye from me and me, and me as well. 